Well, welcome again. My name is Will. If, if this is your first time here, I'm the pastor. So most of the time, if you come, you'll hear me up here doing the teaching. Other times, it could be Josh or someone else. Uh, we are between book studies. Typically in our church, we're, we uh, go through a book of the Bible and study through that week after week. In, in between books, what we did this last time is we requested from the, the church family, hey, what, what topics would you like discussed? And, and one of them that came up was, let's talk about creation. So that's what we were talking about last week. And, and today is kind of a continuation in that because what we're longing to do is not be in a hurry, uh, which is typical right on the Sunday morning. I talk at you, you listen, you forget most of the things I've said to you except for whatever sort of like... Uh, detour I take and something random, that'll be the thing that sticks in your head, right? So what if we, what if we dwell a little bit um, and, and just sit and explore a topic a little more, so rather than rushing through that? So last week we talked about uh, the creation, and, and really uh, this was a primary verse from last week. And before we get in, let me go ahead and just pray, because I want to get us right and, and uh, ask the Lord to lead us. Father, I thank you for your love. I, I thank you for your power and your goodness and, and how just other, I guess, you are, how great you are, how set apart you are, and that in my simple little brain, I really can't uh, fathom all of your love and your power and your goodness and your wisdom. And I'm also so grateful that you don't expect us to know all of that, but simply to trust you. It's the simplest and hardest thing ever. So, Father, I pray today, um, in the name of Jesus, the one who saved me, who loves me, who knows me, my Lord, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would come and just open our eyes, our minds, our hearts, our feelings, everything, uh, face them towards you, reveal truth to us, grow in us, just plant new seeds, water the ones that were already planted, and grow us to become more and more like you, Lord Jesus, we pray. We love you and we thank you. Amen. So you know something cool, right? Here's something that's cool. So a couple of you are like, whoa, Will, you came a little combative at the... At the at the uh, creation topic, right? Because there's so much debate. And if you weren't here last week, something we, we were talking about was, was the reality that you look at Genesis and there's debate about how that went down. Uh, you know, on the first day, right? The term that we've translated day, it, it refers to a period of time. Is that like a million year period of time? An actual 24 hour period of time? And who knows? I mean, ultimately, the, the conclusion we came to is the most important thing is that God did it. That he is the creator. That it is true what it said. And so, whether you, because of your own conviction, think, wow, it was definitely more than 24 hours, and God initiated all that, but in that age, he created this and did this and such. Or, if you have that conviction, like, I'm going with the literal writing there and saying, hey, it was morning, and night, and it was a it was a solar day, twenty four hours. Um, 
Now, the frustration as a shepherd over the hearts of people that God's brought to me is I hate the fact that they fight about it. Something so unimportant to our salvation. I don't care what this science group tells you and what this science group tells you. What's super important is this, that God did it. Right? God did it. What's really cool about it is I had conversations with people with tons of different opinions. And you know what? So some of you are probably pissed at me and maybe you didn't come back today or you're not saying anything, but most of you who talked to me about it were like, no, thanks for saying that because it's not necessarily changing the conviction that I have. However, it is moving in my heart to say, i got to go back to just that reality. Let's stop there and say, wow, in the beginning, Genesis 1.1, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes through more of the creation story. And in Genesis 1, 27, it says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I feel that pull to keep talking about that, but let's just stop a second there. Because this is so familiar to me. And any of you who've spent any time in like a church environment, I mean, this is some of the first stuff you're going to learn about, even when you're like three years old, right? You're, there's a little uh, picture book that talks about either Noah's Ark or creation, somewhere in there, right? You, you've learned about both of those. And so this is so familiar, but so um, underappreciated, so misunderstood, the significance of it. And so what I want to do today is, is sit in this for a little bit and do a really poor job of giving it justice, uh, doing a really pitiful job in my limited ability and yours to understand and comprehend and think, but to sit here and at least give it another Sunday the least I could do if God created the whole heavens and the earth, that I could give him another Sunday to dwell on the importance of this. So here's the question that I want to sit in. What are some of the implications, the so what, of the fact that God is the creator? Well, here's the first one, and it's obvious, and I think that's kind of where we ended, right? Like, down to our knees. Like, if God could create everything and everyone, I mean, how superior is he? How powerful is he? Right? Wow. And what's cool about that, as much as I can dog on science, what's neat about that is science is like giving you some eyes into some of that. And they're like, did you check out the human eyeball? That's ridiculous. Guess what? We figured it out. Here's the mathematical odds that a man and a woman would come together and the baby would be created. Wow. Miracle, right? Oh, here's what we calculated. If the earth turned just a little bit, what would happen? Whoa. <laughs> here's what we calculated. If the moon was just a little bit off, here's what would happen. Whoa. Here's what we calculated. If the temperature of the earth like, changed a few degrees, what would happen? Whoa, right? What would happen if one of those meteors hit our planet? What if we went off our axis? What if, you know, and it's just like, you got to sit down for this because you're like, holy cow. 
And then in science and all of the best things, I mean, right now in particular, right, you see the pandemic that goes through. And you got like 100-year-olds who, if you trip and fall, they would, probably wouldn't make it. But they're getting this disease, and they're fine, and then some 20-year-old's dying. And you're like, I don't even know, God. I am not in control at all. Science is not in control. Governments are not in control. Doctors are not in control. You can think, take Ginkgo biloba and Golden Seal till kingdom comes, right? And that might not guarantee anything. You drink all the orange juice you want, which may or may not cause cancer. Depends on the study. Um, yeah, right? Water might be bad for you. I don't know. Cough might help you. Might. I don't know. We're all guessing. But God is so superior and powerful, right? And, and Isaiah wrote about this. It's like, have you not known? This is from Isaiah 40, 28. I'm just going to throw some scripture at you, okay? So make a note. Study it. If it kind of hits you upside the head and you want to look at it a little bit later. Isaiah 40, 28. 40, 28, slow down, Will, use your words, okay? Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Wow, right? He doesn't grow faint. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't, he's not as frustrated as I can be at times. Forgive me, God. He's not exhausted like we can be. Like, he's everlasting. But guess what? That's great news. Here's the bad news. His understanding, you, you, can't, you can't get your arms around it. You know, Isaiah, right, the prophet, was speaking the words of God, and it was recorded. And it said this in the book that we call Isaiah, chapter 55, 8 and 9. It says, for my thoughts, and who's the my? Who's talking in that one? God, God right? Isaiah speaking what God's told him to say. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Whoa, right? Like as far as the heavens are from the sky, that's how different you and I think with God. And the best we can do... It's really awful, right? It's like pitiful. I mean, can, can we be hum- Can we have some humility about this? I and mean, we all came together here, what, in the name of God, to try to bring him honor or glory, or someone dragged you here because they wanted to bring him honor and glory. Either way, but we came here, check out, there's pretty lights around that cross because it might make it feel better. Uh, Elliot and I were supposed to sing a song really pretty that you like a lot to make you feel better. There's some coffee out there to make you feel better. I know. I love you, and so I'm trying. Elliot loves you, so he's trying. But God's ways are so much greater than our ways. And and I'm not trying to make fun of our attempt, but can we be be humble and show humility about it? One, if you don't like our trying, tough. If you feel frustrated trying, tough. Don't lose heart. You're never supposed to get God's ways down. You don't get your arms around him. 
Colossians 1.17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. See, you see that? Like, the reason you're breathing in and out, the reason everything is continuing to flow, right? Like, I mean, you're one blood clot away from being done. Right? Like, the reason you're still existing, the reason you're still going, why are some kids six and dying and others get 160 years? And when he made you, he knew the expiration date. And until then, he'll keep you going. Like, the breathing, the moving, do you have your legs or are you paralyzed? Do you have all your extremities or did one get cut off? Do you have a sensitivity to diabetes or not? He knew that. He's in control. He keeps you going. Do some of you waste time combing hair and others are blessed, right? Like, he decided that. And Paul, when he was talking to, right, Greeks, and here's, the, here's what's cool about this, okay? The Greeks, they had their own thought. They were so proud of themselves, right? Because they were so, they had the society, and then they were killing it. They had their legends and their philosophers and, and right, all their, their knowledgeable people. And so Paul comes to these groups of people, and sometimes when he came in and started doing church talk, they're like, yeah, I don't get what you're saying, dude. So he came at them in the language in which they understood, and he made for them a new foundation about the God that he served. He laid this new foundation for them so he could build on that. And so Acts 17 records part of one of these conversations, one of these sermons that he's given. To really big brain folk, right? Acts 17, 24, it starts like this. The God who made the world and everything in it. Wait, wait, that's what we're talking about. We we, we get together on that, Corey? Okay. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven, so the boss of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by human hands. Like, you think you could control them. You think you could put God in a box. Hilarious. Yeah, I guess we do, right? He doesn't live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. (laughs) Right? Oh, I need to hear that. I need to hear that. Like, as if... I could, as if you could do something to really help God out. Oh, man, Corey, if you didn't do that, I would have been messed up. Thank you, says God. No. Thus, thus, don't saith the Lord, okay, on that one. He will not say that to you. He's not waiting for Corey to come through in that way. He's got it. Rather, okay, so he's not doing that. Rather, this is what he's doing. He himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. James said something like that, half-brother of Jesus, recorded in James 1.17. He said this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. So you see that? All these really good things. And so that's why I'm here just to basically give you a reminder. I'm not telling you anything new, but there are so many good things that are coming from the Father, and if they don't take his place, then they can become, you know, Acts of worship towards God if you realize he's the one that gave it to you. 
Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. What's included in that? Everything is a good answer. Okay, let's, let's break that down a little bit. What, what else is good? It's a great answer. Help me out. I didn't write the rest of the sermon. I'm going to need some help here. It was a crazy week. Just kidding. What else? Someone's going to say something over here? Love, wisdom, understanding, faith, grace. Love, wisdom, understanding. Okay. Let's get practical. What's practical? Your car, right? Hey, when I was young and you first start, you guys remember the first car you had? Not all of you, but some of you. It's, you could smell it burning the oil. Remember that? You're like, I hope this is not the day it stops running. Some of you rode here in that same car right now. I get that, okay? But when you don't anymore, sometimes you're like, I smell nothing. I'm pretty sure when I go to start this thing up, it just runs and I'm going to get where I need to go. Thank you, God. Right? Like, oh, yeah. You had a 59 Chevy and it really worked pretty good. If you were still driving it, you'd probably smell it burning oil, I'm imagining, though, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you see that, right? Like, we come together and, and the idea of we, if you prepare food together and eat food together, like, wow. Why does it have to taste good, too, you know? It could have just given me nutrition, right? Why does a hug feel good? You know, why is the sunset so beautiful? Why is the sunrise so beautiful? What's so cool about God's creation that it just awakens something in me? This is not an accident, my friends. This is real. Because God does everything. Because God does everything. That's right. Then it goes on to say, verse 26, from one man, he made all the nations. Who's the one man? Adam, Adam right? Okay. And that they should inhabit the whole earth. So his intention, one man, he created processes, right? Reproductive processes, which he's managing, and he can stop at any point in time, right? And they are to fill, to inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Wow, this is like, I know that alone, what I've been praying about in that type of area. But what I began to understand, like, as much as like I joke about the boomer cloud, right? And in summary, it's like, whether you're a baby boomer or not, the older you get Gen Xers, you start becoming like the baby boomers. You know, we got the same phone clip. We say the same things like they, you know, we start to disengage with the current culture and join the new counterculture, which I like to call the boomer cloud, right? So that's, that's fun. So in the boomer cloud, what you begin to see, what you have to remember is you were appointed to live in this time and in this place for a reason, right? So it's like unapologetically, right? I like a 90s kid growing up, right? Started in... Most of my culture is that way. Some of you 80s kids, 60s kids, 70s kids. You were appointed for that time for a reason. You're alive now for a reason. And those relatives who got to die and avoid COVID, that was a special blessing for them. But God appointed the time for them to die. And the place in which they would live. I was born here. I've made it 10 miles from the hospital where I was born. I'm a slow walker. But as much as I think I belong in Hawaii, I don't, apparently. I'm here. This is my appointed time and place. So God is, in, God is in so much control. He has such a design. In 27, it says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. Okay, well, why'd you put that in there? Get this. All of this. 
the time you're born, the place you're born, the number of years you get, every, every pre-existing condition you have, right? The, the, the family, every one of those things. You were born and created, like it or not, to some biological parents. And maybe raised by the same ones, maybe raised by other people. However, there is a point and a purpose in that. And in all of that craziness, ultimately what God wants you to do is so that you will seek him. And that you'll reach out to him. And what you'll find is he wasn't very far. He was right there. The whole time. So we pull that out. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he's not far from any one of us. There's your life. You were created, you were placed in this time and place with these circumstances. And God's heart for you is that you would reach out to him right where you're at. We'll come back to that. And here's what you need to know. What I hope to do now is kind of paint the picture why you really need to do that. Reach out to him. Verse 28, Paul goes on to say, For in him we live and move and have our being. This is actually a quote that one of their philosophers used. But he, he took these things that they were attributing to science, reason, their Greek culture, and he's like, no, 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 no. Or their gods, like, no, 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 no. That was about the one true God. In this God, you live and you move, and you have your being. It goes on to say, as some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Change the direction, right? For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So, I mean, you get, you get this, right? We're reminded of this. There is still is a day of judgment coming. Jesus didn't come to eliminate that. But he came to offer rescue from this destruction for those who would follow him. But it, it doesn't take away from the fact that this is something that like, whoa, okay. We should really take this seriously because there is judgment coming. So, so, okay, let's step back a second. Okay, a creator. Let's think about this. A creator is someone who makes something new. To really be a creator, you've got to start with nothing. Like God, there was no raw material. But God, but God made a man out of the dirt. Okay, but he made the dirt first. And then he made the woman out of the man's rib. But he made the dirt, and then the man's ribs, and then the woman. He is a creator. He had an idea with no, nothing to draw off of. 
He was like, well, it looks kind of like an elephant and a rhinoceros put together. No, he didn't have a basis, a comparative basis. He started from scratch. He had an idea. He formulated a plan for that idea, a design that he wished and wanted to create. And then he created with his words at times, with his hands, ultimately with his love from his own being. So us, when we're being creative, what we're doing is we're acting like our dad. Right? You kind of wonder about that. You're like, huh, who thought of that first, right? And how wrong did that go the first time they tried it? Right? Can you imagine? It's like, hmm. Those birds are flying, right? Maybe we could do that. How do we do that, right? So this is just how that happened. I mean, you've got to know and believe that God is the creator. And so creative people have taken raw materials given by God, creativity planted in God, and tried to act like dad and create something. But ultimately, they're just organizing and, and being creative, but they're not really creating So, wow, how much glory do we give to somebody who is creative? Someone who writes a wonderful song or, or a, an athlete who does really creative things, right, with their body in sports or um, a poet or an author or an actor, like the creativity of that, a, a hairstylist, right, clothes designer, all the things that you can do that are really creative We give them glory, but God is greater. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. So one of the implications of that is simply that. He is just so powerful. Another one is this. God has a design and a plan. And that plan, no one can stop. You can't stop it. There's nothing. There's nothing on earth. There's nothing a person can do to stop what God's going to do. Right? You even see that. I mean, you even look at that, right? Moses comes after Abraham. Abraham's kids act rebellious. He's like, I'm going to kill them all, Moses, and make a new, give my promise to you instead. He's like, no, 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 Lord. But God, God's all-knowing anyway. But what I would say is God will get it done. So if you're foolish enough to go against his plan and design, I like to say it won't go well for you. I mean, no one stays happy long-term in our culture doing things against God's design. I mean, God's called certain things, right? He's created you in his image. In male and female, he's created you. So you are that. And when you argue that, it goes weird, right? And then he says he wants, he wants certain things like um, what he wants you to do with your sexuality, what he wants you to do with your health. I mean, ultimately, we've destroyed ourselves in our world by not listening to God. We got greedy, we fed everyone corn, and now they got cancer, right? We got greedy, we put chemicals in everything so it'll last longer, and we got cancer, right? We got greedy, we start killing the environment. We got greedy, we're polluting. And so as much as I'm not a green person... Right? Okay? I'm not a proponent of that. You can't argue with the fact that God created everything. He had a plan, and he appointed us to carry out his plan. And we've done a very poor job. That's why it's not going well for us. 
And in turn, in the fall, all of creation is just like groaning, saying, this is not right. Something has gone wrong here. Yes. Yes, because we have not asked the designer, the sustainer, the creator for that. But in spite of that, here's the really cool thing, okay? Here's the truth. Like, this stuff is, this place is going down. According to the Bible, it's going to burn. And everyone that's left here, right? Everything that's left here will burn, too. And, and so, I know that's not feel good. I get that. Um, that's why this is such good news. Because in spite of that, then there's Jesus, You get this? In spite of all of that, I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. We've acted counter to what we were created to do. We've even questioned our creator. We've denied him. We've tried to explain it with randomness. And in turn, what we've done is we've just destroyed ourselves. However, here's the great news. Then there's Jesus. And Jesus is proof of this, that in spite of all of God's power and truth, injustice, and goodness, and all those things, and judgment coming, God is also immeasurably loving and patient. He is loving and patient. Loving and patient. I like it when he's loving and patient with me. I like that. You guys like that? You know what's frustrating when he's loving and patient with other people and you just want them to get it right now, right? Isn't that the truth of how it goes? I mean, that's it. You look at creation and the care, you're like, wow. I mean, God so loves me, but he so loves you. It says in the scripture, one of the reasons why he's patient, he's not really slow to act. He's not complacent. He's not busy. He's not on his phone, right? He's longing that everyone would come to faith in him, even though he knows it won't happen. He's slow to judge. He's letting things go wrong. And as a person who's a leader over people, which are messy, and you watch them doing bonehead things, and you do bonehead things yourself, that's a very admirable thing, right? Anyone been a leader of people? And you have to sit and let them like, ooh. I could help you, but I won't, right? Like, I, right? That's, gotta be like, I could help you. I could, I could just turn you into a bunch of robots. We'd fix this thing, but no, no. I'm going to be patient and loving. But he says, but don't get that twisted in your head. I will still whip your butt. And that, that's, that's what it comes down to. There'll still be consequence in your life when you don't follow me. And if you're not mine, bad news for you, the way this whole thing goes down, Right? And so what's happening, he's patient with this process. And I just wrote this down. It's not very well thought out, okay? Uh, But creation, here's the process he sees. Something's created, and then it's corrupted because of sin. And then when it's corrupted, ultimately it's going to be destroyed or death, destruction or death. But then because of Jesus, then there's rebirth and renewal. Even the best thing you can do, right? You build a house. You're super proud of it with your hands. You give it to your kids. If they don't have to, if they were going to live their entire adult life in the house that you built when you were 20, and they made it to like 80 years old, it's doubtful that house wouldn't fall apart without some remodeling, depending on what you build it out of. Fair? 
especially the new construction type of stuff we do. If things would start to fall apart, you'd have to rebuild it. You create, you live in Arizona, the sun corrupts your wood, right? Termites come in, Tim has to come to your house and spray. Death and destruction, and then put new wood, rebirth, renewal. Same thing with you. You were created. Corruption of sin. Death is coming in destruction. Rebirth and renewal because of Jesus. You have a marriage. Created marriage. What God's brought together, let no one go apart. Sin, corruption, yours, hers, everyone else around you, leads to destruction, death, even if you don't get to divorce. You stop loving each other. And unless a Unless Jesus comes in and brings forgiveness and healing, you will go to the death of that marriage. Parenthood, same thing, right? Corruption. You keep a job for a long time, same thing happens. Created a new job. Corruption because they fall short and you fall short. And if you, don't, if you can't push through it, death and destruction of that job. If you can, you reinvent yourself. Say that in corporate America, it's rebirth, renewal. Again, again. And again, and God is sitting there watching us go through this. What about this? We're created in the image of God with his very breath breathed into our lungs. Tell me about that. Tell me about that. What's that? Because of that, so what? You have life. What's that? Body, soul, and spirit. Keeps us in control. Keeps you in control. Yeah. I mean, we're created in his image out of everything that was created. What's that? We have a mind. We have a spirit. Like we have something that your dog doesn't. We have something that the rock doesn't. We have something that the ocean doesn't, that whales don't have, that horses don't have, that monkeys don't have. Like, we have this eternal part of us because we're made in his image. A big implication that I wanted to bring to you is this. God has special love for mankind because we exist in his image. I get that. I have kids. I think I would stop at nothing for them if I could. I mean, I fail them a lot, but I'd take a brick wall down with my head if I had to. They're created in my image. They do some of the... reflect back at me some of the best parts of me and some of the worst. If God gave you that, that job and mission in life, then you know what I'm talking about, you know? Or if not, you are a kid and you're like, oh, I'm so my mom or my dad when I do that, right? Like, but I get that. But here's the other problem, man. My poor kids, especially, right, because I'm a pastor, uh, it's harder for them. Not because my, but I mean, every family has a context. But because they are my kids, they're in my stuff, right? 
They're in my obligations. There's in my, just like yours, right? If you had a, you know, let's say you did shift work and you worked in, in evenings at times. Your kids had to deal with you not praying for them before they went to bed or, or seeing them first thing in the morning, whatever your shift was. It was part of your family dynamic. And that's what's happening with Jesus. Not only is there this great blessing, I love you so much, but guess what, Will? Because you're my son, you're going to have to put up with this context of my life. But I've designed you, I've created you, and I'll sustain you to deal with it. And and ultimately, guys, that's the thing, is we we are left here to carry on the work our big brother Jesus did. Fully equipped with his power, so that when we don't understand, we can ask for understanding. When we don't have the strength, we can ask for help. Because... He designed me and created me. God knows the way I work. Who knows whether orange juice causes cancer? God does. Right? Is global warming, is that real? God knows. Because he created me. Well, when's the world going to end? God knows. Steve, when will I die? God knows. Well, what if I just sleep, don't sleep, and I just use lots of caffeine and sugar to keep going, right? Trying that at times. It doesn't work because you're not built that way. Because God designed me, he can tell me the best way I work. And so we can transform our thinking. The reason why God's directing us is because he loves you. It's like we had a baseboard heater in our house. And poor Johnny being the firstborn, he had to learn the hard way by touching it and burning himself. Right? Now, Tyler and Jordan, on the other hand, they were like, ow, that looked like that hurt. I'm not going to touch that. So we have this benefit. God knows. Jesus has gone before us, lived in our place, right? And so they can be like helping you. Like, well, don't do this. Do this. This is what you're created to do. This is what you're not created to do. And God is my father, and so he loves me, but he will discipline me. God is my father, so he'll protect me, but he'll also put me through some stuff so that I'll grow. God is my father, so he knows me. God is my father, so I'm like him in some ways. He's also your teacher. He's also my teacher, yep. Hmm. So, that's what I I want to bring up some of these points. And and ultimately, there is an endless number of implications. My my hope is this. Some of the other topics we're going to go into, what's important is is they, they come following creation. And in them, there is... The importance is understanding these parts about creation that God did design, he did create, he has a plan that works, and when we go against his plan, it doesn't work. And so this, this message becomes maybe not like emotional or like, well, best one ever heard. It becomes foundational for some of the things we're going to go into next. Does that make sense? So today I just want to give you this reminder, and I want to, I want to take you back to to something that I had mentioned earlier, and that's this. Let me build up from there. God created the world, the earth, the heavens, 
birds, ocean, all the animals, right? The clouds, the moon, the stars. He created all of those things. He understands them completely, knows how they're working or not working right now. And not only that, he's in control. Jesus is in control, holding all creation together and holding the enemy back. That's what's happening right now. But God also knows you, and he loves you, and he's working in your life, and it's a long process. Creation, corruption, right? Destruction and rebirth. And so when we have to go back to a foundational issue of like humility to say, I don't understand. It's okay that I don't understand everything, but that I'm going to believe. And then I'm going to look to him for instruction. Why not murder? Because God knew what it would do if you did. God already had an end for that person, right? He doesn't need you messing with it. And he knew you would do it anyway. So if you murdered him, well, God used it anyway. And we're the ones that think death is bad. God doesn't think that. Why a man and woman in marriage? God knows. He's got a plan. Why does this family have a kid and this one's not? God knows. Why, why does this 8-year-old have cancer and then this 80-year-old never had surgery? God knows. Like, humility, my friends. Humility of God as creator is so important. Humble yourself before the Lord. Know that he's God. And as his people, that's what we need to do. We need to like, oh, Lord, I don't know. I don't like this right now, but help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Holy Spirit, help me to be patient like my father. And then that, the other part is God created you because he loves you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. So all the insecurity, this is the things you're going to continually have to fight. The message is that you're not good, that God's not good, that there's something wrong with you. Yes, you are a sinner, but you're created and loved by God. And so he is nurturing you. He is wooing you. Why did he create you? Because he wants you. He put you in this time and this place that you might reach out to him. That you might reach out to him. That you would know him, and when you reached out to him, you would realize, oh, he wasn't very far the entire time. And once you reach out to him, he'll he'll invite you to join his mission by sharing with everyone around you his love and what he's done for you. Sounds simple, right? Not easy. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I don't pretend to be inside your heads. And contrary to popular belief, no one sends me emails and tells me what to preach at their loved one, even though you might feel it's for you. Uh, here's what I'm aware of. What I'm aware of is that, is that every one of us, our lives, okay? And this is about God, not necessarily about us, but I am talking to you. And I want you to understand his love because what the Bible tells me, one of the things the scripture tells me is that his love, right, was, was one of its purposes is that it would cause me to change the direction of my life and go towards him. 
So I want to bring God's love to you because I want to see you continually making those choices to change your life, to go towards God. Does that make sense? So that's why I want to bring his love to you. That's what what I want you to sit in right now. I want you to sit in his love. Before we go forward and all the rest of the stuff, I want you to sit in his love, and I want you where you're at, right, to let the fact that God is the all-knowing, all-powerful creator, that you can reach out to him, whatever hole you're in. Because here, here's a little side note, okay? This is, this is whatever human knowledge maybe that God's given me through experience. Every one of you, we talked about this a few weeks ago, you will experience what we call a broken heart. Something will really disappoint. Or maybe a series of things. They'll really hurt you. And what will happen is we tend to compare, right? So you'll compare the people you see on the news for their good and on Facebook and all this stuff. What's bad happening to them and what's good happening to them. And you will justify. One, you'll either try to make your situation sound worse than theirs so you have a right to be hurt. Or you'll try to minimize your situation so that you feel better. What happens is, here's an actual truth. This world has gone out of control. And every one of you will take on casualties for that in your life. These these destructive areas. There's nothing worse that will happen to you than a broken heart. Like, dying is not the worst thing that will happen to you if if you follow Jesus. I'm, I'm making that assumption. The worst that's going to happen to you is there's going to be an attack on your hope, attack on your love, and attack on your heart. And wherever it's coming from, that is the worst. There's not a comparison of where it's coming from. I've got a health thing that's really just devastating me. I have a relationship thing with my spouse. I have a relationship thing with my parents. I have a professional thing. I have a chemical imbalance thing. I have an addiction thing. Whatever it is that's coming at you to break your heart... That's the worst thing that can happen to you. A broken heart's a broken heart. It's like me. If I die from a heart attack, a stroke, cancer, hit by a bus, drowned, the process is a little different. In the end, I'm dead. Whatever remains they can find, they'll have to do something with. And I won't be there anyway. If your heart's broken, it's broken. Yeah, but Will, this didn't happen. It, do- it doesn't matter. It's broken. And that's what you got to know. God puts you where you're at in the place where you're at. And the reason why he did that is because he knows you'll take on damage and he just wants you to reach out to him. Because when you take on that damage, you're going to think he's so far off, but he's the creator God. He's in everything and everywhere. And if you're his, he's in you. So what I want to tell you is the implication for creator God more than anything, all those things in your mind are true. But let me speak to your heart for a minute. Every blow that you're taking on right now, whether you're 13, 10, 95, or somewhere in between, whatever is happening, the whole point was that you were put in this situation on purpose. Something horrible didn't happen. It's what God knew would happen, and he's using it so that you'll reach out to him. That's it. So I think we're singing Hosanna, right? Yes. So we're going to sing Hosanna. I don't want to trick you, okay? This is not a trick. We'll turn the lights down a little bit. Simply take this time just to reach out. 
reach out wherever you're at whatever is going on reach out to your father God the creator and sustainer of your life in the world and know that he's good receive his love and turn his way Father, I just come to you right now, Lord, wherever these people are at, whatever damage we're taking on, whatever hits, whatever blows we're receiving, Lord, that we, we, you would use those to cause us to reach out to our Father God, the one who created everything and created us. Nothing surprises you. Your ways are not limited like our ways. You are in control and powerful and mighty and loving and patient all at the same time. And so, Father, we, we reach out to you where we're at. Yeah. So we just take this time. And, Lord, I just pray that you would, you would speak to the hearts of the men and women here. Speak to their minds. Show them where you're coming to rescue them. Help us to be brave enough to reach out. Help us to be courageous uh, courageous enough to be vulnerable. Give us your strength. Give us your healing. Give us your mercy and love and grace, I pray.